Welcome to this week's episode of Over a Third. My name is Dan, and tonight I'm joined by Steph, who, after a brilliant debut last week, has been drafted into the main seat tonight. How are you tonight, Steph? Good. Thank you, Dan. I'm very excited to be back. It's great to have you back. And um, we obviously have been on a little bit of a lesser schedule with the off-season still kind of in the swing of things, but that doesn't mean that there has not been plenty of netball happening feels like we're still very busy with the news. So we might kick off with um, the, I'm going to call it the growing news uh, coming out of Nepal last week. And uh, that was Gretel Vueta announcing uh, that she's pregnant again, um, which is very exciting for her and um, explains why she wasn't available for selection recently for the Diamonds or the Firebirds. Yes, very exciting for Gretel, less exciting for Australian netball, but I'm sure that all the fans are very excited for her personally. It does also explain why we saw the Firebirds last week and we talked last episode about the fact that the comment was um, until she gets medical clearance, there's no thought on a timetable because I think maybe they knew there was another shoe to drop on this one. Yes, it might be quite a while until she gets that medical clearance. (laughs) Um, and on the subject of the injury room, there were a couple of uh, big injuries that um, were kind of affected the, the shape of netball this year. Um, the first is uh, an ACL injury to George Fisher, um, sustained in the Swiss Steel Pulse preseason tournament, um, if we can call it that, uh, which is obviously really sad for for George as she was looking to kind of get back to, to full flight and press for international selection yeah it's a very big blow to to both the steel season and obviously george um i feel like the acl protocols are so good these days though that she'll actually come back better than ever after this um and you know a lot of new zealand fans are suddenly like well she'll definitely be eligible for silver fan selection on the other side of that injury so the uh conspiracy is about which international team George might be uh, putting her hand up for continue. Look, I'm here for the drama. I'd love to see more of the uh, player personality stories, the, the drama kind of going on behind the scenes. Let's let's have more of these, you know, which countries are bidding for which players' allegiances. I know that Rani Samerson's another one that everyone's kind of curious about where her allegiances lie. So let's let's get some of these stories going. Absolutely. And we just saw Elle McDonald, you know, get signed by a club and suddenly she was playing for the Roses before she'd even stepped foot on an English court. So um, fun times ensue. Well, I have strong thoughts about that one too. I feel like if you're kind of getting dropped out of Super Netball and walking into an international team on the other side of the world, it's not the greatest sign of health for that international team. That is an incredibly fair point. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, what do I know? Um, the other kind of big injury that we've heard recently is that Naya Allen, um, who's a recently elevated training partner for the Collingwood Magpies, will miss a fair chunk of the Super Netball season. Um, obviously, we don't have an exact return date yet, but um, it's fair to say that's disappointing for her that she won't have the full op- full season to press the opportunity. 
Absolutely. And I am also personally dev devastated that I will not get to see Naya tearing up the court for a long while yet. She was definitely someone I was incredibly excited to see um, getting some some good minutes under her belt. Um, but hopefully that's uh, extended period isn't too, isn't at least the whole season. <laughs> when I can't work out whether it's good or bad for the Magpies because we've talked about the uncertainty of Sophie Garvin at goal attack. And I guess one side of the coin is she now no longer has a clear goal attack competitor. Um, the other side of the coin is that, you know, we don't have Gabby Sinclair. Um, and what happens if they elevate a training partner who is theoretically a long way from a permanent SSN contract and they look better in goal attack than Sophie Garbin does. What do you do then? Yes. Well, I believe uh, Kelly Singleton has been out with the Magpies, who um, was uh, delisted by the Swifts. So potentially there is that option floating around for, for Collingwood that wouldn't necessarily completely <laughs> tear apart Garbin's uh, goal attack credentials, <laughs> given Singleton's yeah. played there. <laughs> There would be some symmetry about the fact that, you know, we had a goal attack leave the Swifts for the Magpies and then a second goal attack follow her from the Swifts and take her spot. There would be some <laughs> real symmetry there about that. Poor Sophie. <laughs> I'm sure she'll, um, yeah, be putting her best foot forward though and see what she can do. I mean, the other side of the coin is that she, if she's going to get a fairly sustained period at goal attack now, she has the chance to maybe steal a spot on the plane to South Africa, knowing that, you know, if she can prove she can play both positions, that's a really valuable weapon in the Netball World Cup. Mm. And potentially also just a general boost to her fitness on, on court as well, which we, um, you know, the Diamonds tend to have that anyway, but, you know, can always can always be an extra tidbit to to get you over the line in some of those tough matches at the end of a two-week period absolutely and sticking in shooting circles um with gretel announcing her pregnancy um the firebirds have since announced that emily moore will replace her as a part of the uh, 10 player squad um as a temporary replacement player but we assume that's going to be for the whole season or the, at least you know at this point we we obviously have seen temporary replacement players made permanent replacement players in the last few years. Sophie Fawns last year was a good example of someone who it looked like she was going to be given a one or two week opportunity. And all of a sudden she was um, given that permanent spot. And I think we can assume that if Emily can play up to that level, she'll have a similar chance. Mm. And again, I think a very open door for Emily to really give that, goal attack position a good crack because um, while Mia Stowe has obviously been with the Firebirds and in their system for a few years now, um, I think that is not necessarily a locked in position for her. So particularly with Beck Bully knowing what Emily could do from their co-Giants pathways days, it'll be very interesting to see who gets, a, gets time on court. And I think also you've got this really interesting um, potential for the Firebirds to basically say, well, we're not going to play anywhere near the post. We're just going to rain down long bombs, concealing the entire 
power five because Donnell is more than happy to let them fire and Mia Stowry is happy to let them fly. And if Emily can do the same, um, it's potentially really tricky for super netball defences to work out how you handle post distance and, and defending that super shot zone because it is such a different instinct to defend a space not near the post. Mm. I think the defenders, uh, as you know, a grassroot defender, will stick up for the superior end of the court. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I think the defenders have conned on to a few strategies to defend that um, that that super shot period and zone. And I think even last year we saw some of the the wing defenses and centers putting up their arms as well when they were really at the edge of that that super shot zone. So it it, it will be interesting, but. I reckon there's definitely some some strategies flying around that'll be ready to Look, shut that down. Definitely strategies, but if there was one shooting circle last year that gave defenders fits because of the ability to make basically layups from anywhere in the shooting circle, it was the Firebirds with Boeta and Wallum. And um, I expect Donnell to not stop that at all. And so if if we can see that, that'll be an interesting challenge as well and um you know that'll be a lot of fun to watch that circle this year i think mm, and i'm very interested in how willem goes this year i mean i'm a huge fan of hers but there can always be that sort of second season everyone's worked you out a bit more um sort of leveling off um a little bit i think we you know even at even at the start of that season when it can be some crucial couple of games um, that you win or lose to get your season on a roll. If that's when the defenders have worked you out a bit more and then you need the time to reinvigorate your game, could be, um, yeah, could be not quite as dynamic as last year. We're going to have a debate about Canel later <laughs> in this show because she's on my list for uh, one of the other segments later um, mm. for the exact opposite reason, to be honest. <laughs> but on the goal attack subject, um, there is a very familiar face back around the SSN environments. And I think it brought a lot of happiness to a lot of netball fans um, as the fever announced that Nat Butler, formerly Nat Medhurst, was returning as a training partner to a super netball environment. Wild, wild. Um, I was very shocked to see this announcement, um, mainly because I'd been joking since about uh, ANC uh, the Australian netball champs last year that Nat would be going to the Firebirds as their goal attack. <laughs> I was like, Firebirds need some experience. They need a goal attack. Off she goes. <laughs> um, but training partner with Fever, which does make sense given she's recently resettled her family over in the West. It would be a bit of madness to cross the country again, but uh, we'll see maybe another year and we'll we'll get a permanent contract for Nat. To, you see, to me, it it makes no sense. Like, uh, I get it, it's not the same as the Swift signing Romelda Aiken as a training partner. To me, there are two different situations because the Swifts have, they have their shooter and their shooter is recovering from an injury and Sam Wallace may take some time to come back to full level. So after last year where we, there really wasn't any experience in the shooting end um, alongside Helen Housby, now you've got, you know, an established holding goal shooter to kind of keep your structure in attack the fever don't have an injury concern that we know of to be fair but alistair neald and sasha glasgow both played the house down 
when given the opportunity to last year, and so did Emma Kosh in her limited goal attack opportunities. But Nat Butler is not the future for the FIFA. She's not really the future of professional netball in any capacity in Australia on the court. She may well be as a coach, but to me, training partners are really there for the future. And, and the FIFA with an aging shooter like Janiel Fowler should be one of the teams that are looking to kind of set themselves up for the future. And to me, signing a goal attack who has a couple of years past playing for Australia but really hasn't played any professional netball in that time is probably not a look to the future that I would have um, made if I was in their position. I do wonder if there is a sort of potential kind of transition year that they are thinking about, like maybe there will be sort of that caution Teague Neal, will they be sticking around um, after this season? Um, And potentially they do want that kind of, experienced head to bring in as a you know one year transition Nat gets to go out on her own terms <laughs> play out that final season um but yeah you you're absolutely right training partners generally are about the future um I I honestly don't think Val is going anywhere for another good while though so um that could well, then yeah. only even more so like yeah <laughs> but yes, you know so- I don't run a professional netball club. Maybe I don't know anything that I'm talking about. That's always a distinct possibility. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. And of course, the other news is what happened recently with that. There was a a little bit of netball over the weekend in Bendigo, wasn't there, Steph? There was so much netball. It was so exciting to see mainly the Vixens back out on court. I mean, the other teams were good too. Um, Not a homer at all here. Not a homer at all, no. No bias at all. Um, uh, But yeah, no, some great netball in Bendigo. I was a little bit saddened to see Vixens go down against Lightning. Lightning put out a very good show across the weekend. I was actually very um, surprised by that. And hopefully Pretorius's ankle won't keep her off the court for too long. Um, But uh, thankfully the Vixens beat the Giants quite significantly the next day. So it was a good end to that weekend. (laughs) To me, the Giants are are one of those really interesting ones because we've long talked. um, I mean, Steph, obviously you've been new to the podcast, but I'm sure you're of the same view that it has been strange that they are one of the teams that has not zigged to rolling subs really and continue to play pretty much the same seven, pretty much the entire game, pretty much the entire season. Hmm. And now we've got Joe Harton on ice at the moment and we're not sure for how long. But are there questions about their ability to compete at the top end of this competition if Joe is out for an extended period um, because they don't have that sort of movement in their squad the same way? Hmm. I think, you know, to be fair to the Giants over Bendigo, they were also missing... Uh, Amy Parmenta and April Branley, who I think are, I mean, Parmi's obviously a starter. I think Branley was more often than not the starter when she was fit um, and I think would continue to be um, with McDonald behind her. Um, so, I mean, that those are two key, you know, Diamonds and former Diamonds players experience linchpins to their defence end. Um, so I do think there's a bit of... Um, 
take take the weekend with a grain of salt for the Giants. Um, and, you know, I think Leather Barrow did pretty well, but it will be about how long is Hutton out because she's obviously a bit of a force when she's fit. Um, and this will really be sort of Leather Barrow's first real consistent crack, potentially, you know, unless they, well, they'll have to bring someone in to fill that spot for a, a little while, even if it's on the bench. But we certainly saw Julie as as you noted, kind of uncharacteristically doing a bit more rotation over the weekend. I think we will see more rotation from the Giants this year. Um, Lauren Moore obviously really struggled with her fitness after COVID last year and, and had a quite a slow recovery. But I think when they signed her um, at the end of 2020, which seems like a lifetime and a half ago now, um, the intention was to have a bit more of a rotation, at least through the defensive end, because you've got three fairly interchangeable, fairly high-energy, um, high-class players in Branley, Moore, and McDonald. Um, the mid-court is the curious one for me. How much time do we see Amy Slager get this year? Um, I really like the look of Amy Slager. I think she's got the physicality and the speed to compete at this level and to have a Braz-like impact because... You know, we talk about how strong Braz is and you start the two of them together and one of them looks like a brick building and it's not Braz. <laughs> um, so I think Amy Saga does have the potential to really have an impact if she can get some time on court this year as well. Yeah, the, the Giants are an interesting one. I, I was actually really um, a bit confused by Lauren Moore's moving across to Giants when she did, um, having you know, more or less sat behind Turner and, and Clow when they were both fit. Um, and to me, McDonnell and, and Brandley were always going to be the starting two in that defensive end. So, um, I mean, I guess going to a new team, there's always the opportunity to fight and get that that starting spot. But I do, um, yeah, may, maybe we will see that rotate more now that she's hopefully well and truly passed and got her fitness back post-COVID. But um to me, I think, it, yeah, to, to me, it was always Branley and McDonald were going to be that starting one. So still have my doubts about that rotation option. Well, and speaking of doubts and rotation options, um, we got our first look at the very new look T-Birds shooting end. Mm. And How does one I define have... the T-Birds shooting end? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably the best place to start because it seems like there's a four-player rotation with Horges, Duan, Austin, and Cardwell. And it seems like there's three fairly interchangeable pieces because Horges can play wing attack and goal attack. Cardwell can play goal attack and goal shooter. Uh, Tipper Duan can play goal attack and goal shooter. And with all of that flexibility and all of those options, it doesn't seem like they've picked one. <laughs> is, is that maybe the way to describe it? Yeah, there was definitely a lot of rotation going on for Thunderbirds shooting end. Um, I do think that Cardwell was perhaps on managed time. Um, at the end of both games, she was icing her knee. Um, so particularly that first game, I th uh, sorry, the second game, I think she just played the first quarter and then was off icing. So potentially that's kind of a... Uh, yeah, again, a key component of why there was so much rotation for the Thunderbirds. And maybe once Cardwell's fit, you know, assuming she will nix this um, injury and get back on top of it, that will change. Um, the other thing 
I think Horgis is absolutely wasted in wing attack. But then when the T-Birds move out of wing attack, they can, to me, at the weekend, they lost a lot of their attacking flow. So mm, I think Nankaville was put into wing attack and it, there was just not quite that same speed, that same movement, that same control, that same level of pinpoint feeds into the shooting circle. So I imagine that there will be a lot of fortress wing attack just by virtue of them not having another real strong wing attack option. Um, I was gonna say, that's I think exactly why Horges is wasted at goal attack because I think that you lose <laughs> so much of that fluidity that you're mm. talking about there when she is in the circle. Um, I think also the problem with playing Hordras at goal attack is you lose, it means that you've got two of your best shooters on the bench um, mm. and you kind of really are restricted in your depth through everywhere else in the court. Like the mid court has really no subs and that's obviously the sub option is to bring Hordras out, which I mean, I had issues with how the Sunshine Coast Lightning constructed oh. their 10 last year. I have not had a change of heart on that one this year but the t-birds have now joined them in the confused and confounded category because they've got <laughs> two great goal shooters two great goal attacks and a kind of thin through the midcourt um absolutely a great defensive end and the lightning have the opposite problem but it still strikes to me that the t-birds don't have a clear plan yet for how they manage it um, I would love to see the combo of Austin, Cardwell, and Horges as the three players on court, um, kind of in that order further away from the post. I think that's one of the most exciting and threatening trios. Um, but it then begs the question what you do with Tippett One. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that is probably their strongest um, trio at the attack end. Um, that said, Horges and Austin played together a lot through the pathway in SA. So I think they do have a really strong connection that could, yeah, if there was another wing attack option for T-Birds, um, could, could threaten those, that kind of lineup. But um, I think that, that alternative still leaves Tipper on the bench. And yes. I can't see them going back to the super small circle that which we saw a few times last year because it just it doesn't make sense to leave Austin and Cardwell on the bench at the same mm. time. Yeah, uh, Tipper, again, uh, uh, always a very confusing, <laughs> um, you know, addition to that to that squad, mainly from her own career perspective. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah, it will be it will be very interesting once Cardwell's fit to see to see what T Birds land on, and you know, I think. Tan one of Tanya Ops, their coaches, potentially their, one of her biggest criticisms from last year was how much rotation she did. I don't necessarily know that having all these great options in the shooting circle will help address that because there'll be people clamoring for court time and she'll just kind of think that instead of letting anything ride out and the players work it through, she can just throw another combo on and see what happens. Well. Now we've seen some netball and before we catch up again on this podcast, there'll be more netball because Team Girls Cup is a week and a half away and I can tell by the little happy dance you're doing on this call that you are very excited about Team Girls. 
I'm so excited about Team Girls. I have cancelled other plans so I can sit and watch Team Girls Club. I love that. I will not be cancelling other plans. Unfortunately, I have quite significant plans, at least on the Sunday morning, but hopefully that will give me some time to at least stay on base with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we head into Team Girls Weekend, I thought it might be a good opportunity to look at all of the teams in the weekend and maybe have a think or a talk about what they need to get out of the weekend. Because um, obviously you get a lot of matches, you get um, a chance to expose training partners and combos and tests, sorts of things. So what do you think teams are most going to be kind of looking for to get out of their weekend? Um, I mean, we've just talked about the T-Birds, but I think it's fair to say that we're confused about their shooting combo and hoping, well, they need to find some clarity over Team Girls Weekend about that. Mm. For Team Girls, I'm also interested to see if they settle into their classic defensive combo as well. Sterling didn't necessarily get a huge amount of time um, down in Bendigo, which um, I guess my imagination suggests that that could just be testing other combos, seeing what seeing what Tilly and Wilson can do. Um, Matilda Garrett and Latanya Wilson, that is. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they do cement, you know, Shamira and Wilson back in goalkeeper, goal defence, and really make sure that that combo is on song for an SSN season. I mean, even if they don't, do we have any doubts that that isn't the starting combo for the Super Netball season? Not really. I think I'd just be more confused if they weren't hanging out together at Team Girls Cup. <laughs> but yeah. um, until that first whistle goes and the the team sheet says otherwise, I will continue to assume it will be the starting lineup. <laughs> yeah. And I guess we briefly mentioned it earlier, but I think the Collingwood Magpies need to get some clarity about the goal attack bib this mm. year at Team Girls Weekend. Yeah, and I think, it, yeah, as far as I'm aware, Collingwood haven't actually announced anything officially in terms of a replacement for Naya. So it will actually be interesting to see who they take, if Kelly is there, if she gets significant time, and, um, yeah, as opposed to, to Garvin. Yeah, and even if she doesn't get significant time, if we see, you know, another training partner or another player playing there, does that throw the question mm-hmm. of, is Kelly Singleton your option? Mm-hmm. So I guess there's a fair bit of question there for me about, about that one. And the Giants, we've also kind of briefly mentioned, um, I think they need to see if Matisse can carry the shooting load. We've seen uh, at least one superb Super Netball performance um, for a full game. And I don't think you've forgotten that Melbourne Vixens clash at all, Steph. But I uh, can't, can't seen... recall. Can't recall. <laughs> Your heart rate data probably says otherwise. <laughs> but we've also seen her struggle a little bit. Um, against the T-Bird, so it's a COVID replacement when Joe had COVID last year. So for me, the question is whether she can carry the shooting load more than just, you know, being thrust into the limelight once, but can she handle it over a more consistent period? Mm. Which, to be fair, I don't actually know that Team Girls Cup gives us that answer because it is a shorter format, tournament format. Um, I do think that it could be a good time to yeah obviously get her out on court and have her get those minutes under her belt test her against some of those um defensive lineups giants are playing vixens again 
they're playing Thunderbirds again <laughs> from, they just played them in Bendigo, but then they are playing Firebirds as well. And then whoever they, they play in the, in the playoffs. Um, so potentially it could be a confidence builder. She, you could really see her come out and take learnings from the Bendigo weekend and shine, but yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see. And as a Vixens fan, what are you hoping or, or what do you think the Vixens need to get out of the weekend? Um, well, as we all know, the Vixens are perfect. So, um, <laughs> sorry, I'll the turn this down final score future. probably says otherwise. <laughs> small blip, small blip. Um, <laughs> um, it's a fair point, I think. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I really do think that particularly with the um, fixture, I'm imagining Vixens will be back in that first, second playoff um, and trying to put my bias aside. I think I genuinely think that. Yeah. Um, so, I, but again, you know, it will be really interesting to see who they actually put out on court because last year at Team Girls Cup, we obviously saw Ruby Barkmeyer doing a lot of the work with Rani Samerson um, and getting into that that playoff and winning team girls cup. So did the Vixens, you know, put some more um, training partners on to, to keep the, the kind of legs fresh for the rest of the season, keep people injury free, um, but still, you know, put a really strong team out on court. I think we'll see a lot of Mundy again. We saw a lot of Mundy and Bendigo um, and potentially we'll have a lot of her running around in different positions to really see, get her ready to be a really strong strong rotation option. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. I think they need to come out of the weekend healthy because the Vixens aren't going to prove anything at all yeah. over Team Girls Weekend. And they know that everything else works. I mean, the, the 10 have come back from last year. They made it yep. oh so close to a premiership that um, there's not really any doubt about their ability to contend as mm -hmm. a group. So for me, they're a team that, just you know just needs to show up and go home in in one piece basically yes touch wood and as we get down to the swiss um controversially i don't think the goal shooter position is something that i'm at all interested in over team girls weekend i think we know sophie fawns is going to start there we might see a fair bit of ramelda aiken as sam wallace returns i think we'll see more of her but either way i think between those three options, they have their answers at goal shooter. Um, and we know that they can all kind of handle super netball level, obviously to different extents, but there's not really any question. But for me, I'm curious about wing defense because two years ago, Bryony basically swapped in and out of Lauren Moore and Taylor Fraser. Last year, she played a lot of Taylor Fraser, um, a fair sprinkling of Ali Smith, and then the occasional bit of Maddie Turner in wing defense, has that changed this year or are we going to see the same sort of horses for courses and, and different kind of mood from uh, Bryony about who plays wing defense? Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining a same kind of rotation. Um, I think Fraser will be absolutely banging on the door to be getting a starting spot and she'll, you know, take it wherever she can. Um, I think she did sort of mention last year that wing defence was not a natural position for her. So it'll be interesting to see how much she's sort of thought about that or tried to grow that over the preseason. Um, 
And it will be really interesting though, because you need you need a strong seven players, obviously, to get to a final, to get to a premiership. And um, if that wing defence question mark remains all the way, then are they yet yeah, still maybe a finals contender, yeah. but not a premiership contender? When you've got I mean, a big hole. With the premiership with that question mark about Fraser and Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's interesting also that they all offer quite different things because you've got really the lightning speed of Fraser. Um, Smith's a bit of a Swiss army knife. Um, I know that last year she was the reserve shooter at Team Girls because they were so thin at the shooting depth. You remember with uh, COVID and yes. injuries that <laughs> she was actually the next person to get a shooting team if they needed to. And we saw her playing as far back as goal defence during the Super Netball season. And Turner obviously brings the height and the kind of circle edge defence that we associate with a circle defender. So it is going to be interesting, um, but probably not as interesting as the Queensland Firebirds because what I have written on the what they need to get out of the weekend is what do the ends look like? Which end do you want to start at? <laughs> Um, I mean, I've potentially the shooting end, but I think they've obviously got probably Wallum as their shooter. And then, yeah, as we talked about briefly earlier, yeah. that goal attack position will be up for grabs. I think, the other end's I think the so best. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because 12 months ago, we were talking about Danelle having, you know, this opportunity at team goals. And I don't think anyone other than maybe Danelle thought that it was going to go the way it did. And now, you know, 12 months on and Emily Moore is in the same boat, Mia Stow is in the same boat. And so is the defensive end just quietly because Ruby Beckledoran is the only established member of that defensive group um, after Kim Jenner and Ebony Sora Brown's departures. And is this the chance for Remy Camo to stamp a goalkeeper bib i think she is the more intuitive answer um i think she's got more of that height than ash and i think you want ruby roaming doing what she does best out at goal defense and you know time with the diamonds i'm sure will only further um yeah have have cemented that kind of position for her and where she can shine um and then i think yeah ash is is probably in SSN a bit too short as a goalkeeper. So Remy's, I think Remy's got the the starting gun. That's really, she's got, she's leagues ahead at the moment, but that's not necessarily, it's kind of the England Roses question again. It's like, just cause you've got your name written there. Does it mean your name should be written there? <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, and also I think it's going to be interesting because to me, Beck Bully wasn't necessarily the stereotypical mm-hmm. large, statured defender um but seemed to have very little trouble doing the job over the career and maybe that technical expertise and that development expertise that she has is going to help bring ash and remy along quickly because there's plenty of potential there's nothing to say that that can't be a standout defensive end we know ruby's a standout player and if beck bully's coaching can get through to these young talented players who knows how good they could be And I do think I also recall that Remy had talked a little bit about having played with Ruby um, in the pathways. So potentially they do actually have a partnership that could click into place and then and and take us all happily by surprise. 
And while we're talking about Queensland defence, um, I'm curious about, and I think the Sunshine Coast Lightning needs some clarity about the defence event because last year they had too many defenders. And this year they kind of still have too many defenders. <laughs> um, we've got Carla Pretorius back. Um, we've got Tara Hinchliffe. We've got Katie Anderhaney. And do we have a replacement for Kate Walsh yet? Uh, yes, Ash. Yes, Ash Irvin. Yeah. Just a so, fun tidbit. Both Charlie Bell and Ash Irvin were signed as Firebirds training partners and then stolen by the Lightning. But Ash Irvin's a circle defender as well. Yes. And now we have four circle defenders at the Lightning again. Again. <laughs> and I don't know how they fit together. And I really hope that Belinda Reynolds does know how they fit together because um, it seemed to be a bit of an issue last year. We didn't get that rhythm in the defensive end and it resulted in uh, teams being able to score against the Lightning at paces that we have never seen before. Yes, I do think though that Pretorius will be a much stronger ball winner and will slow that down. I think she's clearly got a role on court. As long as she is fit, she will be on that court. And assuming her ankle injury is only, you know, a couple more days, a week or so till she is recovered from that, then she'll have a bib on her. Um, <laughs> so who plays out in front of her though? And I guess the other question is who plays behind her? Cause we've really yeah. got three goalkeeper options and a goal defense. Um, and that's not really what I would call a recipe for success. But, you know, again, what do I know? It was, you know, Lightning were, um, you know, impressive over, I hate to say it, the Vixens um, in Bendigo. <laughs> um, like you really struggled with that. that. That almost hurt to say, didn't it, Steph? <laughs> my soul chipped away a little bit. Um, um, uh, yes, but I think I, I was actually uh, sitting down ready to watch Bendigo and I was like, what on earth are Lightning going to do? Who are they going to start? What are they doing with their midcourt? Um, and then, you know, came away with a pretty convincing win over the Vixens. And I think it is, you know, we will see Hinchcliffe and Pretorius probably playing out in wing defence because inevitably there are going to be points in time where Miller, Sherry and, Sherry and Cassidy, one of them isn't performing, so they're going to have to rotate their three <laughs> mid-quarters that they have, potentially with someone on the bench. And so then you do you could have a really strong defensive lineup of Hinchcliffe wing defence, Pretorius goal defence, Dehaney goalkeeper. And I think Hinchcliffe and Pretorius along that transverse line is a pretty intimidating um, yeah, defensive transverse line. It is, but I would worry about some of the speed that can kill in Super Netball because there are some pretty nippy wing attacks going around and Hinchliffe for uh, all her talents and skills, um, her sister is the mid-quarter, not her. Uh, I was just going to say, I do think that Hinchcliffe was still getting a lot back after her own injury last year. Like, I do think she was, um, I mean, she obviously debuted for the Diamonds <laughs> in, by quad series. Um, and again, I think that experience will really have amped her up for this season and she'll be she'll be stronger this season. But you're right, a, a speedy wing attack with Hinchcliffe and wing defence isn't necessarily a um, shutdown combo. 
And the West Coast Fever, the last team on our list, um, much like their uh, fellow, their grand final opponents, I think they have very little to prove. Um, while they didn't bring back all 10 players, they brought back nine of them. Um, Kim Jenner coming in for Stacey Francis Bayman. And to me, they've just got to come out of the weekend in one piece again. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if, like with Team Girls Cup last year, like with the grand final, these are the two teams facing off at the end of the weekend. I don't Definitely. think anything that they do on court, as long as they stay healthy, will change anything in my mind about where they're at before the year. And I think probably internally it's the same. I think it will be interesting to see how they use Jenna. Um, again, a very interesting move in, in my mind to see Jenna, you know, leave Firebirds to sit behind Bruce and Aringham. <laughs> I think that's because we'll see more of Sunday out at wing defense. Um, I think partly because the diamonds seem to not mind her playing out at wing defense. Um, and it just logically makes sense with kind of their, their go-to wing defense for a lot of the year with Stacey Francis Bayman out um, having retired. Now that there, there is a gap there for someone to fill as a bigger and taller and kind of more defensive wing defense option. Mm -hmm. Jess Anstis kind of really is a mid-court option in wing defense. And, and so maybe someone like an Ariang in, in wing defense gives the opportunity for Bruce to push out to goal defense to get Ellis in or to get Jenner in. And um, that's the combo I expect to see more of this year. It, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. That's the kind of intuitive answer. Um, again, Ariang at wing defense is gorgeous at wing attack for me I think it's um like she's brilliant there but she's brilliant there but like ugh, I love her most at goal defense <laughs> and I think her her combo with Bruce is is clearly so incredibly solid um so again why why try and waste that <laughs> to push her out to wing defense um but yes that that would be the intuitive answer and it'll be yeah it'll be interesting to see at team girls cup what they if that's if that's indeed what they put out on court now that we've talked about the teams, um, there are some individual players that you're looking forward to seeing at the Team Girls Cup. Yes, I am really excited by Charlie Bell, um, particularly after Bendigo. I do, I mean, Conan and Wood were on fire. They are, you know, it's going to be a lot of work for Bell to knock them off, you know, a, a starting position, but. I think Belle has a lot of raw talent that is waiting there. I think she, if she, you know, can really rise to the challenge, is going to be a future diamond. <laughs> and I want to see her on court getting that time so she can get there sooner. <laughs> well, and we saw with Riley Batchelor last year, there is room in the Lightning system for another shooter, particularly someone who offers something different to what Kara Conan does. And Charlie Bell is that. She's bit tall, a bit more physically imposing and maybe more traditional holding shooter than Conan, who's almost a backspace shooter. Mm -hmm. um, I think she's got the range as well. And I think she will fill that role of Riley Batchelor as a star. And um, you and I sitting in the Team Girls Cup stands last year talked about how impressed we were with Rue. So hopefully after Team Girls are having the same conversation about mm -hmm. Charlie Bell. Definitely. And I think, again, could be very interesting to see if Conan gets, you know, more caught court time at goal attack with with bell behind her and you know again some sort of um you know long-term transition planning potentially for lightning yeah well i think also it's a, a good 
Diamond's opportunity because there's a chance that Danell Wallam is on the plane to South Africa. But to me, Danell is the player that I'm most excited to watch at Team Girls Cup weekend. Mm. She set the world on fire last year at Team Girls on what was essentially a two-week preseason. <laughs> I am so excited yes. to see what Danelle can do on a proper preseason this year. She's got mm. the kind of stability of knowing that she was going to have a role with the Firebirds this year. And even, you know, accounting for the fact that there was some uncertainty about Gretel returning, I think there was no doubt in anyone's mind that Danelle was going to be playing goal shooter for the Firebirds. And so she's had that stability to to play to train and i think that you know you're right in talking about the possibility of a second year slump but i also think that we might see a new level added to her game now that she's had a couple of diamonds camps and a proper preseason since we last saw her and she for me is a candidate to really break out and push for a spot to south africa i Really hope you're right and that I'm wrong. <laughs> um, I would love to see you while I'm on that plane um, and having, yeah, again, another standout season. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's a hard thing to back up. People learn the way you play a bit more. Um, yes, Diamonds Camp will, I'm sure, have done her a world of good. She was astounding in the games she played for the Diamonds. Um, but also that means that, there's been a lot more time for the Diamonds defenders to get to know her as well and the way she plays and tips and tricks. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> and, and for me, another player that I'm really looking forward to seeing is Jess Anstis. I think we, with her being out for an extended period last year, we forgot just how good she can be um, and how much kind of depth and variety she gives the Fever midcourt. And she's someone who, you know, off the back of some proper training and, and a, a preseason. Cause last year I remember Dan Ryan saying that she basically hadn't trained for about 10 weeks. Um, mm -hmm. So I think she's going to be a weapon as well. And that'll be nice to see at team girls cup. Yeah. For me, I'm also excited to see, you know, depending on which training partners get there, some of those, some of those training partners, like I, I, again, I'd be really interested to see Nat Butler, <laughs> see if she gets some court time. <laughs> um gabby coffee she, for the vixens if she's pretty good that nat butler isn't she? <laughs> she is pretty good she's got some skills <laughs> she should do all right on that court <laughs> yeah well, um, gabby coffee is an interesting name that you bring up as well she's been around the system now for a little while and this could be a big year for her yeah and i think um you know we saw her actually debut for our crosstown rivals the collingwood bagpies um <laughs> for ssn last year so It'd be nice to really see her, you know, move up and make more of her mark and really be pushing for a, a contract spot um, come come 2024. Um, and then I think the Giants' other shooter will be, you know, I'm assuming it will be the sort of same um, Raketic, I think is how you pronounce yep. her name. Um, yeah, if she's getting a lot of court time, that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I really like the look of Antifretic. Um, We've seen her a bit. Um, a lot of the time last year, we had New South Wales Academy and Giants Academy playing in matches before Super Netball matches. Um, and so being early enough, you got to see plenty mm. of her. And she's someone who does strike me as a lot of potential. The Giants are in a really interesting spot because Matisse and Sophie are very much the future. Mm. 
but also there's probably going to be a third spot because what we thought we'd talk about now, given that, you know, we are a long way still from week one and even further away from the end of the season is the fact that at the end of this year, yet again, every single super netball player comes off contract. And we didn't see much player movement last year, but we did see a fair amount at the end of 2020 when the players were last all off contract. So I thought now might be a time to chat about who, so some of the player movement that we're projecting in eight months time at the end of the season, because to me, there are probably 10 or 11 players that might be at the end of their super netball careers. Um, and then there is the potential for, I mean, I found sort of five or six players who might be on the move from their current team, almost regardless of how the year unfolds. Um, obviously not a hundred percent. And then it's also a chance that, you know, with that many players leaving Super Netball, there's a chance for some new players and there are some players that, you know, might be on the radar. So I guess we'll start with the players who we think are likely to move on or, or maybe likely to move on. Um, is there anyone that kind of stands out to you, Steph? Um, I do think Jiva Mentor is, um, I think she had a bit of a resurgence. I think she'll have a great season, but I think she'll she'll probably potentially really look to call time after World Cup. Um, I think she's yeah, previously spoken about um, wanting a family, whether that is still her goal, but if it is, I imagine that that will probably be um, her focus in in the near future. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be a little bit surprised if Jiva played on. Um, I was probably don't already a bit surprised. I was already surprised Jiva <laughs> played on, and I'm pretty firmly on record at this point with my view on Jiva and the Roses squad. But um, yeah, for me, Steph Wood is someone who I think is a pretty likely candidate to um, hang up the sneakers after Super Netball and after the World Cup. She'll be 31 at the end of the World Cup and with a fair bit of tread on the tyres um, and clearly some some ongoing um, issues with her knees. It wouldn't shock me if she looks at the next cycle and goes, it's three or four years to the next major tournament. I'm not going to be around for that. I do think also um, Steph Wood is an incredibly smart player and potentially there's ways for her to, you know, say move to coaching and still be involved and, you know, be coaching at a pretty decent level within a couple of years. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, I think there's potentially some clear future for Steph Wood again. Um, and yeah, you're right. Fair bit of tread on the tyres. And for me, there's, there's three international players that I've got kind of all grouped together um, who I think may look at it and go, I've got four years to the next competition. I've got, I'm ready to move on to the next stage of my life. I've had a long and storied career and that's Joe Hart and MJ Kumwenda and Carla Pretorius. Um, I think that, you know, there's a chance that all three of them move on. They'll all be older than 33 after the World Cup and it's a long time to the next cycle. And Carla has obviously started to have a family. MJ got married recently and, um, you know, Joe's starting to struggle with some injuries. So that could spell the end for, for the three of them. 
Yes, I think definitely three names in contention. Um, I think Carla would be a bit more um, potentially going to stick around. I do think, um, you know, we we absolutely have seen um, phenomenal women go and have yeah. a baby and come back and have, you know, <laughs> win a gold I mean, medal. So I expect her to have a pretty big impact off the baby this year. Let's let's yes. not kind of sidestep that. <laughs> yeah, there's no su suggesting that she won't have a massive impact this year. I just think that it may be on her radar going forward. Yes, I, I think that's fair. <laughs> maybe a couple of left field candidates. Um, one from you, Steph, and then I, I think, you know, we talked off air about a couple that I might have. Oh, yes. So the one that keeps bubbling around in my mind is Emma Kosh. Um, I think she is, um, I mean, I think she fits in at Fever, but I don't know that she is, you know, a huge um linchpin for the team um potentially she goes back to her stable teaching career <laughs> um yeah. and says she's done her time that makes sense to me um to me i think that the left field one um and this is a hot take but i think there is a decent chance that gretel buetta has played her last professional netball game absolutely not i refuse to allow it <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it can be completely discounted because, I mean, it, we, we know she can come back from a pregnancy super fast, but I think the World Cup this year is off the table. I think that even that is too fast for, for her to prove <laughs> her fitness to be back at that level. And I think aged 30 with two young kids and a pretty storied and successful career in two sports, she might say, mm -hmm. I've achieved all the things I want to achieve, I'm ready to move on. Um, I don't doubt that she's capable of becoming the world's best netballer again after this second child. That's not any question for me, but I wonder whether she wants to. Mm. Yeah, I mean, she looks, I mean, one would always hope, but she looks absolutely ecstatic with her family and clearly loving that life. Um, I do, again, sort of, live in the hope of like we are now in an age where women and players can go have a child have two children and still come back and extend their career like I think we yeah could be seeing I we could see Gretel I think if she kept injury free playing till she was 40 um if she so wished yeah, <laughs> um I also like to think that Laura Geitz obviously retired a couple of times and came back and hopefully she will be inspiring Gretel to to come back again <laughs> yeah that's my vibes I'm putting into the universe in my mind it's not a question of whether she can come back mm. it's about the choice of wanting to um and then a couple of kind of wild flies that we were to rattle off there um Maddie Proud is a question mark for me um she's obviously had quite a long career um and I wonder whether after the world cup if she's not selected, she looks and goes, do I want to do this again for four more years on the hope of breaking into a midcourt that is about the same age? Um, there's more young stars coming through and especially if the Swiss win another Super Netball Championship this year, she's done that a couple of times as a co-captain. Um, question mark for me there. Mm. Yeah, I do think Swifts are a very strong finals contender. Will definitely be pushing to be in that grand final um 
and again you know she's put out a book she's got a bit of a side career she could really launch into um but for me again I think it's also does she get another concussion and does she really have you know touch wood she absolutely doesn't no one wants to see that but unfortunately she's a bit of a magnet for them so would that be a really um if that were to occur touch wood it doesn't is that a bit of a time to go it's funny you talk about having a side career so i i googled a lot of these players before we got on air to, to just check age and, and history to, to talk about these things and most of them when i talked up came up with australian netballer or international netballer maddie proud came up as children's author <laughs> they may have neglected the fact that she is a professional netball player but that side career is going very nicely if that's what the google subtitle comes up with when you run a search for her Absolutely, would absolutely recommend her book and the Sophie Garvin, Maddie Proud uh, podcast where they read the book. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, and then um, we also had a list of players who we think might be on the move from their teams at the end of the Super Netball competition this year. Um, and obviously some of that's subject to maybe the first set of names, but also the the way that their teams go this year. But for me, uh, Sophie Fawns is a a potential move candidate um, given that she'll have had now two years in the super netball competition and even though she is you know, still very young um, with a fit sam wallace returning does she look and go i'm good enough to play 60 minutes on court in this league um i don't have to be a third option in the same way that sophie garbin made the move a couple of years ago Sophie Forms is still so young in my mind, and I think literally as well. Yeah, you're not wrong <laughs> um, on that. She is, yeah. you know, only 19. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that said, you know, Wallace is a, is a younger, you know, mid, mid-career perhaps, mid younger mid-career um, shooter, so I don't necessarily think Wallace would be, yeah, looking to move herself. But I, I could see Sophie sticking around for another year maybe. Maybe she takes a one-year contract um and then really pushes for that that spot i think to me also sophie fawns doesn't necessarily have a clear stamp on a position like she obviously got a lot of court time last year we might see less of her this year um who is she actually really which position is she pitching for i don't i I don't even know it didn't stop sophie garvin a couple of years ago and to me, she's another one on this list who in 12 months time, when everyone's off contract goes, well, the Magpies experiment was fun, but it didn't really go the way I wanted it to. And I'm looking for a new environment again. Yes. Well, if, uh, if MJ sort of skedaddles, there could be a position across the road for Sophie. Um, I don't, I don't think Janelle will actually go anywhere. I reckon she's definitely got enough legs for another couple of, for a whole cycle, to be honest. But if Fowler were to leave, Sophie might look to go home to Western Australia. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting you talk about MJ possibly leaving because Rani is another name on mm. this list for me. Um, because I think if MJ doesn't leave, we could see Rani on the move. And she's someone who may end up actually leaving SSN and go across to New Zealand if we're not careful because she obviously has the ability to play for the Silver Ferns and um, I'm sure that there are plenty of ANZ teams who'd love to have a shooter of her calibre and would be offering a starting bib. Absolutely and I think also with um, 
with how tight ANZ is around their import rules and all the rigmarole you have to go through to try and get an import if Rani classifies as a New Zealander, which obviously she does as eligible for the silver ferns, that could make it a much more tempting um, opportunity for, for both the ANZ team and Rani herself. When you had another vixen on this list, didn't you, Steph? I did, late breaking thought. Hannah Mundy. <laughs> I think, again... It makes sense. Yeah. Future diamond, but she needs the court time to get there. So, um, yeah, and Lizzie and Kate and Teddy, <laughs> if they're all sticking around again, Mundy probably needs to move to, to further her own career. Then I had three defenders on this list two from the same team because i don't see a universe in which these two that you know latanya wilson matilda garrett and shamira sterling all sign on again at the thunderbirds um to me if the thunderbirds go badly this year um does shamira lose patience and say well i can go and play for a team that's going to put me in contention to play finals and if they do go well this year does tilly garrett turn around and say well i'm not getting any court time I need to go and find some somewhere. Mm. Uh, I feel like there were rumours at the end of last season as well that Shamira was looking at other opportunities but um, potentially had a pretty good uh, wicket at <laughs> Thunderbirds. Um, so potentially that could be, again, something that holds her to Thunderbirds. Um, but, yeah, I think I think there's there's definitely got to be some movement out of that Thunderbirds defensive end. And Katie Annie Dehaney is the same for me. Um, there's a logjam of defenders at the Lightning, and is she the one who says, I, I'm ready for a new opportunity? I was um, watching the UK League season opener over the weekend and actually had the thought that I wouldn't be surprised if Katie Ann Dehaney ended up in uh, the UK League in 2024. I think she could, you know, potentially get a position over there and be their starting goalkeeper and really get court time um so it depends if she you know wants to stay in a better league you know potentially on a bit more money versus going to another league where she actually gets court time and potentially there's a trade with some of those international or roses defenders coming coming across here well it's funny because i want to talk about some of the players who we think might join the super netball in 2024 and to me the first name on the list and the most like, blindingly obvious name on the list is Fumi Fidoshi. Yes. Yes. Um, I've, I forgot prior to this wonderful conversation that everyone was off contract and I was like, Fumi for Firebirds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> next 2024, she will be snatched up. Um, with everyone off contract, there's a whole lot more people in the game. Uh, but, I, yeah. I, I mean, my... there are, but also I would be incredibly surprised if the Swifts don't bring back Sarah Clow and the Giants Tilly McDonald mm. and the Fever Courtney Bruce. I think, you know, you can pencil in, you know, probably 60% of the league can be penciled in to be mm. where they are, but that's a lot of movement. And Fumi is a player who could entice a franchise to really move the dominoes around. Yes. Yes, indeed. And to me, Martina Ricas is another interesting one. Um, she obviously had a bit of an up and down last couple of years, but she's very much a shooter in the lightning pathway. And that lightning pathway has gone all right recently with, you know, Conan and Bachelor and now Rikers. Um, 
we know that you know players who can shoot the long bomber are in high appeal players who've got the physical stature to play both shooter and attacker in high appeal and Rikas ticks both those boxes so it wouldn't surprise me if you know if we do start to see some shooters on the move maybe there's a, a move for her and I think you've got another shooter on the list for the same yes. reasons basically <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yeah. So I think, you know, I'm really hoping Charlie Bell will will uh, make the case for a permanent contract um, at the, by the end of this season. Um, and it's interesting that you you talk about the lightning pathway when, of course, they went and stole Bell from the Firebirds pathway. So <laughs> I mean, they might well have stolen Bachelor and Rikas as well. It's, it's not an uncommon an occurrence for players to be nicked, you know, enticed yes. up the Bruce Highway. A hundred percent. Very, very true. Um, but yeah, I think it, 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 I really hope to see Belle with a permanent contract. It would make sense if she can sort of keep it at, at lightning, but, um, with Rue coming back, if Rikas is going to be pushing for a spot as well, um, I reckon Belle will probably be on the move. Well, and there's some international players as well to, to look at. Um, Fran Williams is one that, you know, might try and make the trip down here and really kind of enhance her game because there is also the potential to to make an impact on your career coming down to Australia and the Roses' defence might well be a bit more open um, going forward, especially if Jeeva's not going to be in there. Steph, are there any other international players who kind of spring to mind for you? The two I was thinking about then uh, were Laura Malcolm and Joyce Mavula, who both left Manchester Thunder to move to the ANZ League for 2023 potentially a little bit early for them to then move across to SSN. Um, but in my sort of imagination, that is, you know, a kind of ladder if, through the career to come from the UK to ANZ and then across to SSN. So in a year where everyone's off contract, do you make your bid rather than wait for potentially the year after when 80% of the league is contracted already? And I, I think we can all agree at this point that playing in super netball is the best opportunity for international netballers to grow their games. And yes. And the other international player, I am both excited for potentially at team girls cup, but hopefully want to see a contract full-time contract in her near future um, is Veve, who is currently one of the firebirds training partners, but playing for Tonga was Tonga's captain. Tonga's going to be at the world cup. Um, I think there there should be a contract in her in her future. Yeah, and look, I'd love to see someone like Shanice Beckford from Jamaica come across. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's realistic, but I think that that would be great, just for for Super Netball, really, <laughs> as well yeah. as for her. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll have this conversation again in eight months' time, and I, I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will also at that point be brewing with other players from the NSL, the UK league, who I think will be pushing for a spot. And probably also some World Cup players. I mean, we talked about seeing at the Com Games last year, there were a couple of players who we thought this is a player who could really benefit from playing SSN and could really make an impact. So there'll be plenty on, but next time we speak, we'll have had the Team Girls Cup and the Super Netball season will just be weeks away, which is very exciting. Do you have a prediction for team goals? Fever uh, Vixens repeat. Okay. Vixens to bring it home. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. 
I am going to go a little bit um, left field based on what we saw last year. I think the lightning are going to be right up there. So I think I'm going to go lightning fever um, because lightning looked good in the preseason last year at team girls. And then um, obviously fell away a little bit. Um, But yeah, so lightning fever is my grand final tip and we might leave it there because I think we've been uh, boring everyone for long enough. I hope you're still listening, but uh, Steph, if people want to find you for your netball takes, where is the best place for them to look for that? Uh, on Twitter, I am at Steph Ari Ara, which is Steph with a P-H-A-R-I-A-R-A. Come talk netball with me. And you can find me at Decouple wherever you social media takes your fancy. Um, although I should warn you, my TikTok feed is uh, a little bit repetitive at the moment. Uh, but this has been Over a Third, the Edge of the Crowd's netball podcast. You can find us at Over a Third Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can find all of our netball coverage uh, at those handles and or at, at Edge of the Crowd on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and obviously, you can listen to us here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and about seven other podcast platforms. So if you're listening on one of those, please let us know. But In the meantime, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.